0: Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your Lord. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I was thinking about this because I had a near-death experience. God was certainly upholding my righteous right hand. In March 2019, I put my mother in hospital for pneumonia. On Friday evening, I called my sister and explained to her my mother was placed in the hospital for pneumonia. On Sunday evening, I called her and told her I had flu-like symptoms. Monday, I didn't call her at all, and she became nervous. When she didn't hear from me, she called Tuesday morning. I did not pick up my phone. She called the first responders in my area because she lived 400 miles away from me they accompanied the local sheriff to my house and tried to knock on my door there was no answer then they decided to unlock the door and get into the house and my sister was talking to the first responders on the phone the whole time i was in and out of consciousness and noticed the first responders then i was transported to the hospital I ended up in ICU for three weeks with pneumonia on a ventilator for most of the time. After being in ICU for three weeks, I went to some place called the penthouse. And that was where nobody was except me. I was alone and I prayed that God would get me out of there. When I got out of the hospital, my sister told me that the doctors didn't think I would make it. I had almost died. I could hardly believe it. I could see the Holy Spirit in the churches that I attended. They were praying for me the whole time. One woman told me God was holding my hand. Remembering her words showed me that God does hold me and everybody else with his righteous right hand.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, the Fishers. Uh, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Chantilly Bible Church, and uh, we are so glad that you're here. Glad you're here this morning. Um, I wanna start off this morning with a little bit of a confession. Uh, my confession is this. I don't really like scary movies, okay? It's not for the reason that you might think. It's not because they scare me, uh, in fact. Uh, they bore me, and let me tell you why, okay? Uh, because they're lazy writing, for the most part. Let me give you a classic example of a scary movie, right? You have whatever the threat is going on outside. The aliens are attacking, or the killers is on the loose, and you've got the people that are huddling up in the home, right? And all of a sudden, at the end of the dark hallway, there's a noise, right? And so like the least paid actor is like, I'll go check it out. Uh, I think it's coming from the knife room, and they're like, I go over there, um, and they go down there, and for uh, just to move the story along, they make the most illogical, unreasonable choices, and they go down there. It's just lazy writing, or the other thing that I don't love is like it's the, the jump scare. You guys know what that is? It's like the real soft music, and all of a sudden, the cat jumps out of the, you know, like cupboard, or it's like the jack-in-the-box uh, kind of mentality, lazy writing, and I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. Same reason I don't love superhero movies. Um, Now that I've alienated half the room, let's jump into uh, God's Word together. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, fear is a big part of our world. Now, it's not just the fear that we may see in scary movies. um, Fear comes from all directions. So we're going to talk about fear today. Uh, But before we talk about Uh, that kind of fear. I want to tell you the couple fears that we're not going to talk about today. One is not the fake fear movies. The other one is not what I would call maybe like the good fear. And let me explain that. It's it's like the wisdom that motivates you to do something uh, good that is in line with the truth of God and who is. For example, we live in this fallen, broken world. So I recognize that in the truth of God. So I put my seatbelt on when I get in my car, because I'm afraid of getting in a wreck, or when my four-year-old's running to the end of the street, I scream out, stop, because in fear, I want to act in wisdom that he would not run out into the street and get hurt, because we live in this fallen, broken world. There's a kind of a wise fear that kind of motivates us to live in truth. What I'm talking about today, and what we're going to discuss today, is a totally different kind of fear. In fact, it's not a fear that's rooted in the truth of who God is, but the opposite, It's a type of fear that can come grip our hearts, even us as believers, that is actually rooted in lies about who God is and what he's doing. It's fear that's birthed in a disbelief and a distrust in God. But we're fed fear all the time. Let me give two classic examples in our culture of some of the fear that we deal with. Uh, Are you guys familiar with the phrase uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out? Anybody? So FOMO, the fear of missing out. That's one fear that we hear all the time. What is that? Well, it's the idea that when I look inside myself and I may be broken or sad, empty or lost in here, but I can be made complete, whole, happy, and satisfied by something that's out there. That if I am lonely and sad or unvalued, that peace and happiness I need is just a purchase or a relationship or an experience away. Advertisements and social media feeds are flooded with pictures and videos and stories of people who seem to have the happiness and the contentment and security, the very peace that we're missing out on. And so we live in constant fear that we're missing what everybody else seems to have. Missing out because we're missing it, whatever keeps us from feeling complete and being happy. And so we kind of live in this brooding sense of fear all the time. And if it's not the fear of missing out, it might be another fear, and that's the fears of living in the dangerous world around us. From natural disasters to nuclear war, economic collapse, this administration, that administration, that pending diagnosis, that job loss, inflation, whatever, there are a million ways that we can be fearful And we fear that our lives and the lives of those that we love might be hurt or even lost. This world is dangerous and news media wants us to know that, right? It's their business model designed to perpetually keep us afraid, offering the solution to our fears, which is conveniently in the next administration or the next platform or politician. You see, the fear of missing out and the fear of the dangers of the world around us are real. And in a 24-7, 365 information stream of the internet, social media, and cable news, we're hit all day, every day, bombarded with reasons to fear. We are living in an age of fear. But believers, is that how we're called to live? Gripped by the same fears of an unbelieving world, running to the same false saviors that offer the peace our hearts are desperate for, or or are we called to something radically different, gripped not by fear but by a courage, a supernatural courage that is rooted in the truth of who God is, and it causes our fears to melt and for us to shine like stars in this age of fear. Yes, we are. And so today we're going to continue in our series, Faithful, looking at the promises of God and specifically how we can have a fear-melting courage. So if you haven't turned already, turn to Isaiah chapter 41. And as you turn there, let me tell you a little bit about Isaiah if you're unfamiliar. So the book of Isaiah was written about 700 years BC, and it was written in part to help God's people understand how to have that courage. And it would come by trusting God in the face of tremendous reasons to fear. So in this book, God tells his people that armies are coming to invade, overcome, and take them off into captivity. Brutal threats to their lives their loved ones, and even their identity as a people. But God tells them to trust. Trust who he is and the good plan he is working. And then he gives them these words that we'll read when their fears seem overwhelming. So let's read Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. God's word says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, it's in these words that the chosen people of God were to trade their fears for courage and their despair for hope. And it's in these words that you and I, the chosen in Christ, are meant to do the same. So to do that, we're going to ask ourselves two questions today. One, what is the source of our fear? And then two, what is the source of our courage? So let's jump in together. Let's look at that first question. What is the source of our fear? So to actually understand that, we're going to have to hit pause here in Isaiah and actually go back to when fear first entered the universe. Back in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve and God and the serpent and the tree and starting uh, in chapter three, verse eight, read with me and we'll unpack together the source of our fear. Genesis 3:8 says this, and they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, "Where are you?" And he said, "I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, Because I was naked and I hid myself. This is the first instance where fear enters the world. So, what happened that caused Adam to run away from God and hide in fear? Because we know Adam wasn't always afraid. So, if you're familiar, earlier in this story of Genesis, God, the Almighty Creator of the heavens and earth, He made a perfect, peaceful, sinless world and put his crowning creation achievement right in the center, his image bearers, Adam and Eve. And everything was operating in the perfect harmony of goodness and peace. God in his rightful place in their hearts and in the world. Mankind in perfect, sinless relationship with God, perfect, sinless relationship with each other and the world around them. It's in this perfect paradise it's said of Adam and Eve that as they walked with God, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Okay, giggles. Okay. All right. What does that really mean? That they were naked? It doesn't mean just physically naked and unashamed, but the entirety of who they were physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. The entirety of their humanness was laid bare naked before God and each other, and they were not ashamed. They were not afraid. Why? Because there was no reason to fear. There was no danger within or around. Only perfect peace, no insecurities, no guilt or shame, No unfulfilled aching or longing or worries about not being enough. No FOMO. And also, no fears of threats of armies or violence or crime or worries about politicians or disasters or even that bad diagnosis. Why none of that? Because with no sin, there was no danger to fear. All because God was held in his rightful place in their hearts and in the lives of Adam and Eve. They trusted him fully. So what changed? Adam and Eve changed. Their trust in God changed. You see, God had given them one command, not to eat of that fruit of that one tree. And this was how Adam and Eve worshiped God in trust. But instead of trusting God, they chose to believe a lie that God was not worthy of our trust. So they took the fruit and they ate and they transferred their trust from God to themselves and to the world around them. And right then, sin entered the world and all of its curse, death, pain, hurt, insecurity, shame and brokenness, And fear, the source of fear, the source of our fear is birthed in the sin of disbelief and distrust in God. And now under the curse of sin here, Adam saw the danger of his own heart and the danger of a sin-cursed world around him. And so when God called in shame, he ran and hid in fear. And we do the same thing today. And actually, that's the real danger in our fears, where we run to and hide when we fear. Because we run to whatever we think has the power to save us from our fears. Whatever we trust has the power to satisfy and fix that brokenness in here or conquer those threats out there. We always run with our fears to whatever we think has the power to save us trusting false gods with false promises. And I do it too. In fear, maybe you're like me, do sometimes we run and trust in the false God of money. If only we could just get a little bit more money, then we'd have that peace and rest that we long for. Or maybe we run and hide in affirmation going to likes and comments or attaboys or that next relationship or promotion or that validating voice of others that calm the fear inside of us that we're not enough. I know that there are times when I fear not being enough. And one of the false gods I run to is the God of achievement. If I can just be a little bit more successful, if my kids can get into that club or that school or that team if we can just achieve that next level in our career, that next level in our social status, that next level of achievement, that brokenness, that fear, that shame will finally have the peace we long for. Because friends, we live in an age of fear. And the source of our fear is the same as Adam's, that somewhere inside of us, we are not believing and not trusting the truth about who God is. And so we run away and hide, trusting in false gods we think can save us. So if running from God is the source of our fear, then running to God and his truth must be the source of our courage. Believing and trusting in the truth of who he is. So this is the source of our courage. So let's go back to Isaiah 41 and see the truth of who God is and see how this truth brings us a fear-melting courage. So go back to Isaiah 1 and read with me, Isaiah 41, and read with me again verse 10. It says, it's fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, up, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God tells them, when you and I fear, whether it's looking inside ourselves, looking around you, he's speaking to his people here and says, don't forget who I am. The first step in a fear-melting courage for the Israelites or for us is remembering God's position. You see here in verse 10, he says, fear not. It's a command, right? And actually, Matt Villalobos reminded us this week, it's the most frequent command in all of scripture. Do not fear, fear not. In our world, who has the audacity in our lives to command something over us? Only someone in charge, someone in authority over us. But who Could dare possibly look at us and command us not to fear. Only one who stands in authority not only over us, but over all things, including in authority over the things we fear. Only that person can look at us in love and command do not fear. God is saying, remember my position in power above your fears. There's only one God, one Lord, one king over all creation, and it's me. That's what God was explaining in the previous verses, if you read through chapter 41, and actually all throughout the book of Isaiah. He's saying that there's nothing happening on this planet outside of his control, outside of his power, and is not actively working towards his sovereign goodwill. Even the things that bring us fear, God alone is in the position of power as God. So there's another way to, to pull that out here. And, and I don't mean to be cute or silly with what I'm about to say. I really don't. But in our day, right, you look on news, and, and there's a lot to be made these days about pronouns, right? Pronouns are super important, right? But here, in this section of Scripture, we find the most important pronoun over our lives and over our fears, and it's the pronoun I. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. God doesn't tell you, fear not. You've got this. He doesn't say, fear not. They're not that bad. He says, fear not. I. Look at me. I am in control. I am the act of power working over all things. The source of our courage is when in our fears... We run to remember first God's position as God Almighty over all things, over us and all we fear. And remembering this disarms our dangers and the lies of their power over us. Do you remember the story uh, in Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So if you're unfamiliar, God's people have been driven into exile under this tyrant King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, He was a pagan king, uh, so full of himself that he decides with some of his other rulers to create this massive statue of himself. I think it's like 90 feet tall and says to everybody, when you hear the music, whatever you're doing, stop, bow down and worship me in this image that I've created. Oh, and by the way, if you don't, I'm going to burn you alive in a furnace. And so if you know the story, you know what happened. The music starts playing, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three young men, faithful to the Lord, refuse to bow down. So they're rounded up. They're taken before King Nebuchadnezzar and before the furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar gives them one more chance. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance to worship me. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar says this, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And I love this. The young men reply with with one of the most astounding and courageous statements the world has ever known. They look at this king in the eye. You know what they say to him? They say, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Pretty much they say, they look at the king in the eye and say, O king, the one we fear, the holy God over all of us, can deliver us out of this danger. But even if he doesn't, we trust him. You are not in a position over us, king. Even our comfort and our deliverance and our lives Aren't even in the position over us. Only God. And we will not bow down to you, to our own safety, or anything else but God. Where do those young men get that kind of fear melting courage? Because they have God in his right position in their lives over all things. So as we go back to Isaiah 41. We remember God's position and and our courage, that, that courage begins to melt our fear, but God isn't done. So when we turn and run to God, we also find courage by trusting in God's provision. Again, going back to verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, God isn't only in his position over all things, but he's actually in all things, working all things for us, providing from his good heart everything that we need in our moment of fears. So it might be strength we need to fight or endure. I will strengthen you. It might be wisdom or guidance in the midst of a trial. I will help you. And it might just be as the storms and battles and despair overwhelm us, the truth that he is holding us in it all, I will uphold you. This is the very heart of our God, from his position of power to be our trusted savior. It's who he is. I loved last week John Ramirez's message. You should go back and listen to it if you missed it. But he reminded us of who God is and reminded us that the most quoted verse in the Bible, from the Bible, if that makes sense, is the quotation of Exodus 34, where it talks about the very heart of God, the way that he describes himself to us. This is God's heart. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on their children's children to the third and fourth generation. There's something profoundly important here in Exodus when it comes to having courage over our fears. Don't miss it because it is absolutely at the core and the heart of God. So, some of us right now, we maybe came in this morning and you were already burdened by the weight of some kind of fear, some kind of fear inside, maybe some fear outside, but you brought some fear here. And then you heard Mike say, Well, the source of my fear is my sin <laughs> of not believing and not trusting God enough. So now I feel both afraid and guilty and shamed. Um, I'm afraid and ashamed, and ashamed because I'm afraid. So in this mess of who I am, why would I believe that a God I haven't been trusting with my fears would want to provide for me now? Beloved, because God's heart for you is just that, for you. He is for you. He desires, he wants to show you the extravagance of his grace. He wants to provide for you. He doesn't provide for the deserving, he doesn't provide for the worthy. Hear this the strong don't need strength, the put together don't need help, the courageous already don't need courage. So when you're wrestling with fear, maybe even shame and guilt and disbelief in God, know that right now God's desire is to provide for you in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your weakness, even in your midst of undeserving shame and guilt. He wants to provide his grace, his compassion, his spirit, his strength, his help, his rescue, his courage. Right where you are, in your mess, And in your fears and in your distress and despair. In the brokenness within you and the brokenness of the world around you. Remember, he hates your fears more than you do. And he wants to deliver you from them by providing you what you need. That is his heart. Now, we need to be clear. His provision may not be what you want in the moment. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got it. They understood. They were ready to lose it all except the position of God in their hearts. That was what they weren't willing to lose. And they looked to God and they trusted him. And we can trust his heart for us. And we can trust his provision for us. And we know it's from his goodness. Whether his provision in our fears is that miraculous healing. Or is the materials or the resources that we need, or it is that thing that we've been praying for that, yes, he does provide. Or even if that provision is something else. Maybe it's strengthening our soul to endure. Maybe it's trusting in our hearts to see beyond the furnace in hope. Or maybe it's the ability just to hold tight to him when the world tells us that there's every reason to let go. Courage is trusting God's provision no matter what provision he decides is good. That's a fear-melting courage. Back to Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. Because the source of our courage is found in remembering his position and authority. It is trusting his provision, whatever it may be. But the greatest provision he gives us that helps us stand in a supernatural courage in the face of our fears is the provision of himself resting in God's presence. The promise we hold on to in all of these things, the foundation of our courage, I am with you. I can remember uh, a few years ago, not, not that long ago, um, I was going through a really intense season of anxiety, a really hard season. Uh, and it was that kind of anxiety that I, I would wake up in the morning, like mid-panic. Anybody recognize? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, but I would just wake up mid-panic, and, and the fears, whatever they were, were just really intense, and I would just have these kind of panic moments, wake up. Uh, and I can remember, uh, like, sitting up in bed in those moments, What brought me the greatest peace, the greatest comfort, the greatest ability just just to walk through and work through my fears, in those moments of panic, I'd feel the hand of my wife Erin just on my back. That's it, her touch. No words needed, just her presence in the midst of the fear. And some of you know what I'm talking about with that, that there's something about presence that can bring about the seeds of courage when we need to face and overcome our fears. So I want you to imagine, church, those moments you fear, maybe the moment now or maybe the moment that's coming, that, that panic, that anxiety, that fear, when the armies seem overpowering when the emptiness inside you drives you to despair and you feel vulnerable and exposed and weak and helpless and tempted to run away, God is with you. His hand, the hand that made the universe, gently and warmly resting on your back. In other words, you don't face anything in this life alone. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, believe him, trust him, and his promise, I am with you. And let that courage begin to melt your fears. You guys remember one of the most famous passages in all of the Bible, Psalm 23, written by David. And one of the most beautiful passages about courage comes through this, listen and let it speak over you in your fears right now, where David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Fear-melting courage comes when we are resting in God's presence with us. So, I mean, how can we really trust That part of the promise, right? How can we really trust God is with us in our times of greatest fear? Because Isaiah 41.10 isn't like a metaphor for God's presence. It was a prophecy. God would come to be with us. God incarnate, our Emmanuel, present in flesh and blood with us in Jesus. And in doing so in Jesus, we would see the greatest courage that the world has ever known. So while it's true, kind of recapping, that the source of our fear is disbelief and distrust in who God is. And, and it's true, the source of our courage is reversing that. It's believing and trusting God, remembering his position and authority over all things, even our fears. Remember his promise to provide for us in the midst of our fear. Remembering the promise of his very presence with us in the fear. But what if in all that I'm still afraid? What if I still find myself distrusting and disbelieving God and running in fear to all those other false gods and false promises? What's my hope then? If you hear nothing else, hear this. Because it's that moment, that's when you and I rest on the most important thing about courage. That it's not your courage that saves you, but his this is what I mean. Do you remember the night that Jesus was betrayed? Right, it was uh, before he was arrested and taken away, he took a few of his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He kind of separated himself from them. And in that night, as Jesus was alone praying to his father, he was so overcome by anxiety and a weightiness that it caused him, if you remember, to literally sweat drops of blood. So overwhelmed that the stress on his soul and body, was causing his body to come apart. Like, what was so intense in that moment? Well, in that moment, in that prayer, Jesus' eyes were open to what was coming ahead of him. Jesus saw ahead of him a furnace. Not the furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but one infinitely hotter that he would be stepping into. Jesus saw a glimpse into the furnace of the cross. What it would take to rescue us. Jesus saw what it would cost to take upon himself God's holy justice and wrath against the evil sin and curse of a disbelieving and distrusting world. And when Jesus saw that fiery furnace of God's holy judgment, his body broke into a blood sweat and he prayed asking If there could be another way saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And then a pause, however brief, in that momentary silence, the greatest act of courage that the world has ever known because seeing that blood sweat inducing intensity of the fiery furnace of God's judgment The cross before him, our Savior then said, yet not my will, but yours be done. That moment between remove this cup and yet not my will is the greatest act of courage the world has ever known. And it's all the courage you and I will ever need. That courage Jesus took Led him to the cross of our sin, bearing that furnace in our place. And it's like my four year old said yesterday Jesus took our cross so we wouldn't have to worry about it. And it's true. You know, another word for worry fear. Jesus took our cross, he was our courage, so that we would never have to fear. Because our greatest danger is not out there, but in here our sinful heart before a holy God and Jesus, our bravery incarnate, took our place, bore our shame, took our judgment, our furnace on himself. And to prove the debt was paid, that the curse was broken and our sin fully and forever forgiven, our dead Savior rose again. Victorious over sin and death, and lives now and forevermore. And friends, if you are in Jesus, you have nothing to fear. Remember Jesus. His is the position over all things. All authority has been given to him. Trust Jesus' provision. He was your provision. His literally body for you on the cross, and trust his very presence. Not only did he come to earth, but his presence in us right now. And one day, because of what he did on the cross to save us and redeem all things, we will be in his presence in the fullness of joy forevermore. And so when you fear anything, your own heart, your own sin, or anything in this world around us, the source of your courage is him. He, his courage is our courage shown by the defeat of our sin and the curse of uh, fear that sin brings. So to close our time today, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to ask Kyle and any musicians to come up. So in this moment, I want to ask you, if you've never trusted in the courage of Jesus, you've never given yourself to the truth that he took up your cross and rose again, you can trust now, right where you are. If you want to come up after the service and talk and pray with some of the leaders here, we would love, love to talk to you more about Jesus. But in here, friends, if you are a believer, if you have trusted Christ, you'll notice a card when you came in, you've been in your chair. Um, If you don't have one in your chair, maybe raise your hand. And if there's an extra one around you, maybe somebody can hand it to you. But you'll see this, uh, this card. There's two things on either side. One side has the verse from Isaiah 41.10, but the other side is blank. Here's what I want you to do today, right now. I want you to ask yourselves right where you're sitting, what do you fear? What, what fear has gripped you that is tempting you to not believe or trust in the reality of who God is? And friends, we all have them. It could be one thing, it could be a couple things, but what fear did you bring in here today? And write it out in confession to Jesus. Do some business with God. We're going to give you a few minutes to do that. And after you write it out, I want you to flip over to the truth of this promise. And I want you to confess and submit those fears to the greatness and reality of God who is with you, who is for you, His position, his provision, and his presence, you can trust. And give those fears to Jesus today and run to him and not from him. So take a few minutes, you and the Lord, write your fears, then confess your hope and courage in Jesus.
2: I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me us a love that casts out fear, banishes all fear, that perfect love of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being with here with us this morning and worshiping with us together. If you are in need of prayer, pastors, elders, and deacons will be up here to pray with you. You Go now in peace with the love of a perfect heavenly father. We'll see you later.